2: Hey everyone, it's Mike. I'm coming to you ahead of this podcast to tell you what you're about to listen to. What's being posted on our feed is a podcast called TE1, which is a brand new podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. This podcast is hosted by NFL legend Greg Olson. The NFL season is now back and we wanted to show you what kind of great NFL content Blue Wire has to offer. So what will be attached to this feed is an episode of TE1 with Greg Olson featuring another NFL legend, Travis Kelsey. The purpose of the TE1 podcast is to get into the tight end position and tell you exactly how it evolved from being a normal position to a superstar position. We talk a lot about positional changes and how that changes the game on this podcast as it relates to the NFL. Well, Greg Olson really gets into what that is for the NFL. Definitely take a listen to this episode. Make sure to subscribe to the TE1 podcast. There will be a link in the description to this podcast. Check it out. Let us know what you think.
1: TE1 is brought to you by the strongest, most advanced Chevy Silverado ever. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Before we kick off the show, I want to tell you that this season, NFL Sunday Ticket is elevating their game. Let's say you live in Charlotte and they're curious to see if this old guy like me has any gas in the tank out in Seattle with the Seahawks. NFLSundayTicket.tv lets you stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday, so you never miss your favorite teams or your favorite players like me. Gone are the days of needing a satellite on your roof to enjoy every snap on Sunday, This year, you can enjoy every game, all on your favorite devices. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and promo code GREG88. I'm Greg Olson, and this is TE1, the podcast where we explore the evolution of the tight end position through conversations with some of the best players of all time. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome back to TE1. I'm your host, Greg Olson. And today, I'm going to be talking to Travis Kelsey. The first team All-Pro, Pro Pro Bowl, and most recently the 2019-20 Super Bowl champ of the Kansas City Chiefs. Travis Kelsey has taken production and stats for the tight end position to a level I'm not sure anyone ever imagined possible. On the heels of guys like Tony Gonzalez and Shannon Sharp, I mean, he's on pace to catch records that people at one time thought were unreachable. And to be able to sit down and hear his perspective and hear his background and the the influence that it had on him and shaping him as a player, some of his trials, some of his struggles, both in growing up as a kid and his background, but also at the college level and you know people questioning whether or not he had the makeup to make this to go along with his incredible physical skills that he had the you know the mental approach and the discipline to become the player that he obviously has become and he's answered that more than adequately over the last couple of years with just who he is as a person and, and of course his production and career stands out for itself and then some of the relationships he's built with Andy Reid and the impact that he's had he talks about meeting Andy when he coached his brother Jason for the Eagles when he was in college and lo and behold he ends up playing for Andy and winning a Super Bowl with him this past season I had to bring up that he broke my record he is the first guy in NFL history to have four consecutive a thousand yard seasons and then As most conversations go, that involve anyone with the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, their MVP quarterback, Pat Mahomes, who in a a very short period of time has been the MVP and now Super Bowl champion and has really taken the league by storm and has kind of revolutionized the quarterback position. And here is my conversation with Travis Kelsey. Just a heads up, this conversation was recorded before Travis signed his new extension with the Chiefs.
3: What's up, man? Man, you know what? Uh just enjoying the off season, I guess. Where are Trying you at? To, Where are you? I'm in Kansas City. Good old KC Mo. Nice. Not the KCK. K MO. big that's, difference out here. Big
1: that's ver- difference that's out here. That's a huge differentiation. If you if you mess that up, that's embarrassing. How many guys though
3: come there and don't know which state they're in? I I'm one of them. I, I was like I thought I was going to Kansas. Um, I actually got a when I got the call from Andy Reid on draft day. I got a Missouri number, and I'm thinking the only thing in the in Missouri I know is St. Louis. I'm just I'm thinking, kidding yeah. me. St. Louis? I mean, shout out to Fisher and everybody over yeah, yeah, there Obviously, At the time, obviously, there were, obviously, it just wasn't for me. Um, so hey. But Andy Reid, man, can't be mad.
1: I think it, I think it's all worked out, and we are going to dive into all of that and more. And uh, but first and foremost, thank you for for agreeing to do this. This obviously is a real treat. You are the first guy that I've interviewed who came into the league after me. So I'm actually super oh, nice. excited now to get into a more contemporary era of tight ends. I, I want to go okay. back to you know growing up in Ohio, having a big brother that you wanted to be like, uh, pl- following him to college. But first, just just talk to me about what it was like. I know you've talked a lot about your father instilling mm-hmm. that discipline in you guys as a steel worker, showing you what real work was. Exactly, um, yeah. And so just take us back a little bit. Uh, give us some perspective on on where you came from, what your early childhood was like, and and what impact that's had
3: on who you are and, and also who you are as a football player. Oh, yeah. Um. Honestly, uh, so I come from Northeast Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio. Um, Cleveland Heights, to be specific. And um, yeah, I mean, growing up, uh, I originally grew up my first five years uh, of living on this earth. I was in North Ridgeville, Ohio, which is still in Northeast Ohio area, so it's on the west side, but completely different dynamic in terms of uh, ethnicity, social class from where I ended up in Cleveland Heights, which I, I think is a, one of the most beautiful places on earth. So it was, it was a very unique uh, atmosphere growing up in the Heights. And my, me and my brother both got that. And we got it from a lot of different uh, angles because we love sports so much. So I mean, you you talk about it. I mean, everything from soccer, hockey, baseball, basketball, lacrosse. Got into football once. Middle school, high school came around. Um, always had a racket for tennis. You know, I mean, just the backyard was a complete sports complex, which I'm sure is not very different than a lot of the brother brothers out here in the world. But I mean, that's all we did. We competed at every single sport we could possibly uh, compete at, and then it it trickled into the the video game world, and then it trickled into the the playing cards while we're eating dinner, you know, it, everything was a competition. And what that did was it just built up one, a relationship that, you know, I was so appreciative of as a kid to know that I had a bigger brother always kind of um, just making sure that I'm doing the right things. And and I'm and I'm always getting the upper hand on, you know, the guys when I play in my age, age groups and stuff. So it's just um it was a very cool, cool upbringing.
1: Yeah, I grew up in the Northeast. I grew up outside of New York City in like a typical New York suburb. Um, both my parents were school teachers. We were kind of middle America, middle class. We had a nice upbringing. You know, we didn't want for a lot. We weren't rich by any means off teacher salaries. My dad was a football coach, but my dad, you know, grew up in some more humble beginnings. And anytime he felt that we were kind of losing perspective a little bit, he would put us in the car and he would drive us up to a little bit more north uh, in North Jersey and take us to his old trailer. And it wasn't a trailer park. It wasn't a it was a single trailer with an outhouse in the middle of the woods. And since, you know, I don't know what's happened to it since then, but, you know, 30 years after he lived there, it had been knocked over and weeds were growing. And, you know, it just gave a great dose of reality. And from and from that experience growing up in middle America, middle-class America, to then, you know, the you talk about football and, and sports in general really just expanding our horizons. Mm-hmm. I go down to University of Miami, uh, kids from all over the country, but you know, pre- predominantly kids from South Miami, South Florida, just oh, being yeah. exposed to different cultures. It's the, and I, and people ask me all the time, you know, what was Miami like? The football was great and all that. Well, what was but, it like G-Rig? It was, it was very good. It was, we had a <laughs> lot of fun. Uh, we can touch on that here in a second. This is an open, open forum. I love but it. But when people ask me the best part about it, was just being around the guys and being around guys that lived very different lives than I had up until that point and just really developing friendships and developing appreciation for their backgrounds and their stories and their personal lives and these are guys that I'm still talked to and are friendly with to this day and Mm -hmm. you know if it wasn't for football I don't know if I would have gotten ever gotten out of my bubble I don't know if I would have ever seen anything outside of northern New Jersey and, uh, I'm thankful for that. And and I'm thankful obviously for the last 14 years of being around some of the most, you know, insightful, intelligent guys from all walks of life. And oh yeah, like you said, those locker room moments, that's what, that's what makes it at the end of the day. That's what we'll remember. Those are the things that I was excited to come back in year 14, <laughs> you know, and, and I look forward to developing those new friendships out in, uh, In Seattle. So let's go back. So you talked about you're a three sport, you're playing everything, three sports star. But there's a lot of people who think you could have been a better if it wasn't for your father. He was really the one who talked you into playing football at the next level, right? You wanted to play basketball, baseball. Football was not really at the
3: top of your list. It wasn't. It was honestly, I think it was something that my brother locked in on and and he ran with it. And I was just kind of sitting there like, well, yeah, I mean, I see how dominant he is. You know, let's uh let's give it a try. Got out there, had some fun, had some success. But my real love was always basketball and uh and baseball is the was the one that my father was really like, yeah, you know what? I mean, it, it, it was always my dad's dream. Get the swing the bat and, right. it's, not and bad had, ma- it's not a it, bad way to make it's not a bad way to make a living. It it is very, it is very uh it's very cool to think that maybe I could have done another sport, but at the end of the day, um I'm glad I chose football, man. It's um it's it's opened up so many doors for me. Um, so many fun experiences meeting guys like Greg Olson. Yeah,
1: right. So you talk a lot about your brother. So your brother Jason, who obviously, is a All Pro, one of the best centers in the game, Super Bowl champ. Um, stud, just he, a stud. he's just an all around stud. I I'll tell you what, we down at the Pro Bowl, humble brag. I was at the Pro Bowl with your brother, and we had the best time. Like that dude on the <laughs> bus telling stories, just kind of <laughs> shooting the shit. Dude, we, had, we had man. such a good time. I remember when me and you used to be around each other at Pro Bowls. And then the, la- <laughs> the last couple of years, <laughs> I haven't exactly held up my end of the bargain. But the Kelsey brothers are pretty much always there. But now he played tight end. He's a center now. But he played tight end. Oh, yeah. But you were not a tight end.
3: So and- he he was a backer. He was a linebacker. He played a little okay. running back, H-back type thing. He's, he's, the- done, he's, he's just all-around athlete trying to find I his way on the field. You can tell when he plays
1: center. The guy is, so, the guy is unbelievably fast. He gets fast. it, man.
3: He gets it. He gets it he was uh he averaged nine nine yards a pop on the uh on handoffs well who's tackling him ah
1: uh, I don't but, know so let me tell you so I've talked to some of the greatest tight ends who have ever played in the last couple weeks none of them played tight end when they were kids and obviously you're no different you were a quarterback really up until your first couple years in college yeah nobody ever dreams about being a, a tight end we kind of all just sort of end up tight ends by default. It's crazy yeah but um you were a big time quarterback, Division one quarterback, went to University of Cincinnati as a quarterback. Was that entire process of recruiting always driven with the idea of being a quarterback or did some schools say, no, we we have other plans for you like how did that whole thing play out?
3: Yeah, I feel like um, the majority of my offers were athlete. Um, and as I talk to the most of the the college coaches, and this is similar for a lot, a lot of guys, it's not a very unique story by any means, because a lot of guys will go think and the coaches will sit there and say, yeah, he, he wants to play, uh, he wants to play cornerback, but yeah, he might be a better wide receiver or vice versa. I was, I was a quarterback, but I never threw the ball in high school. I was, I was always just, ah, you know what? I can get these five yards and just five yard them all the way down. I was a runner. So I, I I just never developed the understanding of looking downfield at coverages and stuff like that through high school or my first couple of years in Cincinnati. So when I got to Cincinnati, it was just a wildcat. Well, once once the wildcat became something was, well, how how do we get them on the field so that when we catch a team in our up tempo stuff, we can just throw them into wildcat and they'll be stuck in a certain personnel or something like that? Getting real football talky here. Love it. Give um, it to them. Give it to them. And uh so they so they came out with this this wildcat and I started to transition into doing some tight end stuff. And that was my second year in college. And uh from that point on, we went to the sugar bowl, had a great year, great run for the Bearcats. Uh shout out to UC, baby. And um, you know what? It was just it was, the transition was it was there, it was over. I was like, you know what? I kind of I'm kind of enjoying this tight end. A little bit more than the quarterback. The quarterback—I don't want to get into the scrutiny and all that stuff—but I think that there is a certain level of professionalism that you have to demand as a quarterback for your team, for your—you know what I mean? And I'm not saying I'm not a professional by any means. I just but think I that's, enjoy myself.
1: I just think that is the best—that <laughs> is the best self-awareness comment I've ever heard. I think you got to know yourself, man. And and watching—oh my god. Knowing you and getting to know you over the years, that self-awareness right there, I applaud you. Yeah. And that is
3: amazing. It was just – it was a little too much in my mind. I mean, I still have the the hopes of the dreams that one day, you know, I just might get to run a two-minute drill somewhere. Well, but I mean,
1: let's – all right, so let's – we're going to fast forward a little bit and then we'll go yeah. back. I mean, in the NFL, we've seen you on third down line up in the shotgun. We've seen you hand mm-hmm. the ball off zone read. We've seen you pull it and run for the – we haven't seen I don't think we've seen you pull it and throw it, right?
3: One one time. Have you thrown it? One time. A little fake bubble screen.
1: Okay. All right.
3: Yeah. So, great great story. We're playing against the Giants. And as Coach Reed's installing this play, he's uh it's it's basically spread the spread the defense out, throw a bubble screen to me. I act like I'm running it and then throw it down the middle of the Tyreek. Big cover two team. We were hoping we'd get the safeties bite a little bit. And uh the safeties didn't bite at all. They didn't believe on the bubble screen at all. So they just cover cu- they doubled Tyreek. Well for whatever reason, I'm not gonna say he did this on purpose, but for whatever reason, on the drawing on the install, it's got a backside post. Why would it be there if he didn't give me a progress if he it's didn't live. want me to progress? It's live. You know what I mean? Go through my progression. And it's of just you know what? I I always I dream big. I dream big. I'm like, all right, if I get this thing Tyreeks and I open, just peek. Just peek over. And uh sure enough, I peek over to Marcus Robinson's sc- scot-free, just rolling down the other hash or other numbers. And I, I give it a good crow hop, a little a little base outfield, a little crow hop, and chuck it about 50 yards, 60 yards downfield. And, uh, yeah, um, got picked. But we leave that safety, part. Yeah. The
1: rest of the story was money. We When just, I tell
3: you I was a big league QB, Greg, I'm talking about I made it. I made it. Buddy, can you imagine
1: how legendary that would have been? Man, coach. I, man. They don't throw me bubble screens. So, like, you and Kittle, like, all you guys that are so, like – crafty after the catch i always but, did like 95 percent of my work before i got the ball and okay. then and then after i caught the ball it was just like survive so they don't throw me bubble screens so i can only imagine what that must how exciting that must be to catch a bubble screen now, as, listen, uh, as you get, a tight
3: end you get the numbers anybody can run a bubble screen now we've thrown them to the fullbacks everything like that you I'm, you can get a good bubble screen you get you catch the numbers on one of these run pass options
1: that's true we're gonna do some of that in Seattle. We did a lot of it with Cam, oh, but yeah. uh, we're gonna do more with Russ now. So, well, that's a good story, and and now people know that this isn't just by accident. Andy Reid's not just laying up at night saying, "I might put Travis Kelsey at quarterback." You, you were that's what you were in high school, and that's yeah. what you were your first couple years until. And the story I've heard, and you can confirm or deny. So Tony yeah. Pike, TP. Was, so Tony Pike was a very brief teammate of mine so i got traded to carolina in 2011 and you were like seven years old
3: so (laughs) i was just making the transition you were on my wall in my dorm room
1: we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about that hold that thought hold that thought um so 2011 i got traded to carolina and the rule then was because we were in the lockout if you got a new contract you were not eligible to practice for the first five days of training camp it was amazing I highly, oh. rec- I highly recommend it.
2: Wow. So
1: so there was like 15 of us who weren't allowed to practice for whatever the reason. And Tony Pike was one of them. He had just gotten signed by the Panthers. So the poor guy, and every time I hear his name, this is the story I think of. I oh, would man. drag him out on the practice field before we would go out there and make him th- and we would throw balls and work out. And the poor guy one day after a couple days threw a ball and the poor guy tore something in his shoulder on oh, air no. and never played again. And no. for that whole preseason, That's everybody was like, "They're it? like That's you, nuts. you ruined Tony Pike's career." And I'm like, you, I felt so bad. The poor guy it was just throwing balls you on air. You can't blame so, that on you. you but can't blame that on you. He beat you out. If you beat him out, are you the tight end you are today?
3: No, I don't think so. I think I'm. Um, you know. I'm breaking records behind in the pack in the in the pocket, man. Honestly, I think I had a cannon. I had so, a cannon. So all chief
1: fans out there need to take a minute to thank Tony Pike <laughs> TP for beating you out for the starting quarterback at the University of Cincinnati, or else you are not
3: Pro Bowl All Pro Travis Kelsey. And you know what? You know what's funny that you say that is that he was the big pocket passer. I was the wildcat. I was the runner. I came in for him. We were like a little dual dual threat combo there. Um, but yeah, no, that uh, he he slowly just transitioned me. Him and Zach hilaris another big East goon. Uh just won the the Great Cup up in Canada. Shout out to Zach Laris, got a lot of shout outs today. But you're killing the shout-out game. Keep, oh it, going. keep it going. This is your
1: dude, this is your forum.
3: Whoever gosh. you want to
1: shout out. Whoever you want to touch on, this is your canvas, buddy. Go and paint.
3: I put on way too much deodorant. Shout out to Old Spice. I'm, I'm just I'm breathing in the fumes of my deodorant. Well, you're
1: wearing right – I, I wish people could see you. They're not going to see you, but I can see you. You want to see my dress? That, that tank top is
3: unbelievable. <laughs> it was hot out today, man. It's getting it's hot, hot out here in Kansas City, man. It's, it's been raining a lot the past couple of weeks, and I, I feel like that humidity is just rising on you. Brutal. You're, you're, you get about 10 routes in, and you're like, whoa.
1: I I feel I almost died today. So back, back to the conversation. I'm going to try to keep it on track. So, so coming out of high school, I had an older brother um, who was one grade ahead of me, played quarterback and went to the university of Notre Dame Mm -hmm. in my heart. I wanted to go to Miami. Um, I wanted to do, you know, similar to like you touched on. I wanted to go play with my big brother. We had always played together through high school growing up. I originally signed with the university of Notre Dame, went there for a summer And shortly after that, realized we had to go our separate ways. He went to Virginia. I transferred and obviously finished my career at Miami. You also took the path where you had a lot of other options, a lot of other schools who wanted you. But you also said, you know, I'm going to go play. You know, Jason was at Cincinnati, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a few years older than you. Take us through that process. Like how important was it for you, your family? Because I know firsthand – there's a lot of pressure to to follow in the footsteps for the family.
3: It gives it gives your family one spot to go to see both the boys, or you know, what I mean, to go see yeah. both of us. Um, you know, it gives one team for everyone to cheer for. It's just it, it, and on top of that, it gives me somebody I can relate to out here in the world. You know, yeah. going to it, going to a new school. I don't know which. I mean I was a, a I'm a happy-go-lucky guy I don't know what crowd I would have caught in caught on to without my brother being you know what I mean the kind of the driver in all of that you know I, I wanted to spend every freaking minute with my brother in college so it was it was that it was the fact that my brother was going there the fact that I got a chance to play QB and the fact that they were gonna let me dual sport it and play basketball all right and that was the, I mean the biggies Back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, I mean that's the Kemba Walkers. It was still rocking in the Big East. Um, not that it's not anymore. There's, I mean, Nova and everybody's still in it. But for in, in terms of the Big East Madison Square Garden tournament, I I, I grew up wanting to play in that tournament, and um, I had my chance. Now I had a lot of fun, and I got my ta- my chance taken away. But you learn from your mistakes. And you, you you figure out exactly what you want to do in life, and um, you know what it was a, it was a blessing because what it made me do is it made me focus on my craft. And once I got the the understanding of routine and getting better, and you know what I mean, just really putting in uh, meaningful work at my at my craft, at my position, at my art form, um, everything started taking off for me. I started having a, a boatload of boatload of success. And uh, you know what? We started, we started winning some football games and having some more fun on the field.
1: Well, you, you took the conversation exactly where I was going to go. Yeah. You, you referred to it quickly before. We've all had our moments in college that we look Ooh. back on and we're not proud of. But I do think that sometimes in our most difficult times, I know I look back to some of my both on and off the field struggles of my whole career, mm-hmm. have really allowed me to grow to who I am, understand discipline, routine, process. Oh, yeah. um, performance attitude. I mean, there's a million components to it. Perseverance. So, oh yeah. yeah so you, it, right? so you bounce back now. So now you're, you're going into your senior year, mm-hmm. which was really your kind of come on to the scene moment, right? For Seven, sure. 700 plus yards, eight touchdowns really became a guy on the national landscape for NFL teams to really say, all right, this guy, you know, he's had his history, but this guy, this guy can play. Mm-hmm. And, this, and, and obviously it's led to where we are today, <laughs> but what did you learn through those struggles, those first couple of years about, who you were, what you wanted to be, the process that it was going to take, the discipline it was going to take, and how have you carried that forward to have the success now you've had ten years later?
3: Yeah, um, I had a I had a very very great position coach at the University of Cincinnati, Zach Johnson, and Coach Jay was he was unbelievable. Shout out, give him a shout out. Shout, shout out, Coach Jay, baby, let's go. go. There you go. Um, he's uh, he's unbelievable. He's a, he's I believe originally an O line coach. Um, but he came, he came onto us and he was helping, he was helping me out with just understanding phys- the physics of football. Just like you have a center of core, you you have a core in, in your body and you have to find that balance and that strength when you're trying to move objects, you want to get lift under people, pick them off the ground in a sense, and, and then start to drive your legs. And the way he started to describe everything. It, it was all clicking for me. It was all making sense. And I had the determination of this is my last year. Like I like I'm a scrub. I shouldn't, I got it to this point where I at least have a chance. And you know what? An opportunity is all I need at this point. Cause I, I got to take advantage of it. And um, I was, I was very fortunate that, you know what I mean? I had that. I had coach Johnson there to be able to direct, like give that, that discipline and that, uh, that mental want you know what I mean? Want to, to succeed and want to do better for myself. Um, and he was right there uh, pushing me both mentally and physically to the max, man. And i love him for it.
1: So obviously after that senior season, you're kind of on the map. You've kind of put all that raw talent that people saw in you since you were in high school, it kind of all came together. And now it's time to see, can I make a career of this? Can I, can I take this to the next level? And a story that I just found super relatable and and really interesting so, Ozzie Newsom,
3: oh, uh, nice, the, the, yeah.
1: gen, the general manager of the Baltimore Ravens. I only got
3: one Ozzie Newsom story, so this is, it, it's it.
1: All right, I'll let you tell it. I'll <laughs> let you tell it, and maybe hopefully it's the same one I have.
3: I'll tell you what. I look back on it. I, I, so, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Ozzie Newsom, obviously. Hall of Fame, Brown. Yep. The Hall of Famer all around. Just You get you hear nothing but but praise when you hear Ozzie Newsom, especially around Cleveland or, or the Baltimore area. And it was, it was just a very um, – my my uncle when I was a when I was a kid and he was playing for him, he got a a picture signed Oz, by by Ozzy Newsom to the Kelsey boys. And it I'm I'm sure my dad has it at the house in that's in, pretty cool. That's somewhere. Cool. And we were we were kids and I'm like, I I barely got to see the guy play, right? So I was I was born in eighty-nine, but like they knew like who Ozzy was he was a Hall of Famer. So they were they knew that you know the boys would probably appreciate this at some point in time. Well, uh 20 some years down the line here I am interviewing for a job for the Baltimore Ravens during the combine and um, I walk into the room just had an unbelievably cool conversation with Harbaugh Um, he was talking about how he had some roots up in uh, up in Cleveland and I I walk in on my high horse just thinking man this thing's going great so far I get to meet the guy that you know I mean I've wanted to meet since I was a kid and he I walk in big smiles go to shake his hand he shakes my hand hey Sit down. I was like, oh, sh- what I do? What'd I do? I was, felt like I was in the principal's office, man. I sit down, he starts to play some film, and there might have been a little bit of uh, hello, like a little bit more conversation than this, but as I remember, it, this is all I remember. I it's just all that matters. It. All that matters is and how and you he remember. Pressed it. Play. He pressed it. play, and we started going over all of my personal misconducts, like all my, uh, like, just flags, just flags, because of t- bad attitude and uh, uncontrollable. And he pauses and he looks at me and he said, "Son, are you an asshole?" I looked. And I was like, <laughs> "I mean, on the on the field, on the field, yeah, I I play with a certain aggression, but I'm one of the nicest guys you'll ever." Like, I'm very respectable, respectful. I, like, I, I I treat everyone with the same respect I want to be treated with. And I'm just trying to, like, sell them at this point. I'm like, ah, you just, you threw my, you threw my bluff. Uh, uh, uh. You're scrambling. You're just scrambling. Well, your
1: story is exactly the story I was hoping you were going to share because yeah. I just found that unbelievable. Um, too bad you couldn't have gone and played for him. I'm sure he probably regrets
3: not drafting you he had a great point okay I didn't leave the room like man that was the worst ever why would he treat me like I left the room yeah, like I guess guy had a point He guy, had a point man he's it. on to something <laughs> I gotta fix that
1: my uh my my combine memory really the only memory I have of the combine fortunately I he didn't call me an asshole but it was not a great it was not a great he experience. didn't call me
3: when he just asked if he, I that's was That's true
1: that's fair that's a good distinction that's a good distinction that's on me So I walk into the jet. So at the time, I mean, Jeannie's the head coach. So I walk in and you know, we're, I had read, you know, we're walking in, you feel like you're the king shit. You're shaking hands and kissing babies. So there's like, there's like 25 guys in this room. Right. Uh And, um, you have a 10 minute conversation for anybody who hasn't been to the combine. Obviously you go from like room to room. It's like speed dating and you meet everybody. So I walk in and I shake his hand. He introduces himself and I go around and shake 20 people's hands and I sit down he grabs the clicker of the of the remote to play video, just like you said. And he goes, what's his name? And it was like some random guy. I'm like, I don't know, sir. He's like, what's his name? I don't know. He went like five or six people, and I didn't have a clue. And he goes, what's my name? I said, oh, you're Coach Mangini. He goes, you don't really – not much paying attention for detail, huh? He could have put on – me scoring twenty five touchdowns on it's, that film, it didn't matter. I was broken. I was broken. I walked out of that room in a sweat, and I was like, I'm, I, "There's no chance in hell the Jets draft me." Man. They didn't. They did not draft me. They drafted Darrell Revis. Goes to show how much they know. Um, but I, I, buddy, once something like that happens, uh.
3: you're done. There's no uh, mentally mentally you are in your under you're in. the table i feel like i feel like during the draft like these guys have a secret like they, it's kind of it's kind of pleasuring for them to see guys just start squirming in their seat like ah, uh, no question um like who's gonna handle the pressure here it's exhausting
1: it's exhausting well uh we take comfort to know we've all had we all had one of those moments but i oh, yeah, yours to sure. me is the best i just there's something about a hall of fame tight end gm Now, looking back on hindsight, and now that it's you and you've had the career, and you're probably going to break every record he ever had. Oh, man. We're going to take a quick break, so make sure you stay tuned for more from TE1. TE1 is brought to you by the strongest, most advanced Chevy Silverado ever. On TE1, we set out to discover what makes a top tight end and what it takes to be the best. One thing that I have learned is to be on top. You've got to work harder and be willing to advance and adapt your game. That forward thinking is what has helped Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and all the other amazing tight ends that I've interviewed be ahead of the game. These guys are strong. They're dependable. They come through when most people would give up. It takes grit, determination, and these legends aren't afraid to get their hands dirty. These characteristics translate from the field to everyday life. We all strive to be strong and dependable. This is the foundation of what Silverado is. Just like these incredible tight ends, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Another quick reminder that this year, NFL NFLSundayTicket.tv lets you stream all the live, out-of-market NFL games every Sunday. So you never miss a snap from tight ends like me, Travis Kelsey, or George Kittle. Gone are the days of needing a satellite on your roof to enjoy every snap on Sundays. This year, you can enjoy every game on all your favorite devices. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88. At checkout, you will get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. so let's fast forward so obviously you do not get taken by the Baltimore Ravens you get drafted by the Chiefs Mm -hmm. Uh, third third round pick 2013 Andy Reid is just coming in Andy Reid has talked a lot in the past especially leading up to the Super Bowl and and even before that about how he had a lot of confidence in you because he got to know you when his brother when your brother was in Mm -hmm. Philly with him so when you would go around, when you would go visit your brother, like were you meeting Andy Reid at practice? Were you around the facility? Like what What was that relationship with with
3: Andy Reid before he was your coach? I think it was um, – it kind of – as I started meeting everybody around the facility, just being the little brother in the facility, I, um, I kind of – I don't know. Everyone just started kind of letting Andy know like, yeah, he's not – yeah, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. Yeah. He's got a little temper problem on the field. But he's a good dude. Good dude. And um, then I, I, I finally got to meet because his son played at Temple. Okay. So when and when Temple would join the Big East, my senior year, we played actually at Lincoln Financial. Right. Yeah. So as we're playing, I, I I'm leaving. I'm going to say goodbye to my brother in the tunnel, and he introduces me to Coach Reed, and I'm like starstruck at this point. I'm like the Walrus. Oh shit, Sandy Reed. So I shake his hand. We start talking about uh, football a little bit and. After that it was uh I didn't hear from him at all like during like the combine and anything like that. so it was I guess we did have we had one of the meetings that you just were mentioning um nothing nothing drastic nothing yeah. drastic just wanted to know general general football stuff but um yeah no no being able to um be under coach Reed has been such a blessing and I mean he started off as a as he's an offensive guru. And his he started off at Green Bay, um, I believe, in the tight end room. At one point in time, he definitely was uh, the tight ends coach. Then he went to QB coach, and then he he went on from there to to end up getting uh, getting the head coaching job in Philly. But he's he's had so much to do with the the progression of of like how mentally like um I don't know, how mentally strong you have to be at the tight end position. The the first thing he said, he said, I need you every single play. I need you out there. I need you. Like, this is, he's demanded, like, certain things that have done so much for my career to be able to get the snaps, to be able to grow as a player. Um, And the fact that he has that offensive mind, the the old BYU, you know what I mean, right guard coming through the lane on power, you know, just that old school mentality, it's one up front. Um, he demands that toughness out of all his players, and I've been fortunate. I mean, not only to learn mentally from everything he installs. I mean, I'm listening to when he's installing plays for the, the running backs, the the wide receivers. You know, and just you never know. You never know, Coach Reed. He puts guys everywhere. So I just, just so so grateful to be able to 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 grow uh, under his offense and uh, and play for his team, man.
1: Yeah, when, when you guys come in for a Wednesday, you know, so Wednesday's like the first big first and second down. Um, for those listening Wednesday you have Monday you come in watch tape from the game before Tuesday we'll have off and then Wednesday's really the first big install especially with the passing game so like when you when you come in and you sit in that first meeting in the morning like is there an excitement level that this week there could be something brand new oh yeah. like you never know what you're going to be asked to do that that's got to be super exciting and for a guy like Andy Reid who's kind of that has that reputation of he's just going to draw stuff on the board he's going to kind of spitball until he kind of formulates his game plan to be one of his main weapons that's got to be super exciting coming in and saying i wonder what they have in store Man. this week
3: like i said i've been so fortunate i mean he's he's put a lot of trust in uh a lot of guys on the team but it, it, and i'm not the, i'm not saying any more than than myself but i mean i'm just thankful for how much trust he's given me in this offense uh to be able to run these kind of routes that that typically aren't ran by you know tight ends yep. split out and, uh, and the, on the flip side, I, I have a lot uh, to appreciate for Andy Heck, not, not as much ADRI, but Andy Heck's the run game coordinator. And I mean, he's him and, uh, Eric B enemy, um, in terms of making sure that the, the strength of the run game matches the strengths of the blockers, the people around them, um, splitting it out, knowing that I'm split out, running a lot more routes out there, it Splitting me out isn't just an indicator to pass. Now it's an indicator to oh, they might run it or run the pass option out of it. So just being being able to understand creatively where the coaches are going with it, you can get excited every single week about that. Yeah, I mean, especially if they're dialing up stuff to where you're putting up crazy there's numbers every better. week. You know, oh man, it's uh, there's it's, nothing it's fun. better. There's it's nothing
1: man. better than like being in that role that role where you just know. And each week, it's like, give me more, challenge me more. What else can we do? And you're mm-hmm. you're tra- you're watching other guys. You're stealing stuff. Um, I had a routine. Every Thursday, I would put on you. You know, back in the day, Gonzalez, Witten. Mm-hmm. You know, the guys that were the most productive that week. I would be like, all right, I'm going to go back. So every Thursday before I'd leave the leave the facility, I'd go back and look. And you know, and then the next day you're like begging the coach, like we need to run like that. And then That's sometimes sometimes they're honest, and you're like, well. Kelsey runs that route really good. You ain't running that. And I'm like, you're right. Stop. You're right. No, I'm being serious. But like we would, you, I know I would try to scavenge the whole thing. And our coaches were really open-minded when we were rolling. They had a lot of trust in Cam and I that we would kind of have some free freestyle ability and whatnot. But I remember when, when we were rolling those best years and when I had my best years, Wednesday's install was like my favorite day of the week. Cause you knew a big part of it was going to be for you. For sure, first and second down, and then you know, obviously on third, we'd get a lot too. But you know, you you knew that a big part of the offense was going to run through you. It was just a matter of
3: how they were going to do it this week. Get your cup of Joe, put your seatbelt on, and get Let's pumped see up. See what man. happens. It's fun. It's fun, and especially in the. Uh, I mean the pass the passing game has evolved so much just in terms of having big guys singled up. Yep. Whenever, whenever I mean, we got we got crazy weapons. So whenever he's dialing up plays for these uh, the 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 front side uh, whenever I'm singled up on the backside that where I'm kind of like in yeah, the backside, uh, check down maybe or something like that. I'm just like, just throw a little option on the back there, Andy, you know, just throw a little, I mean, man, he's going to be coming back to me with almost a sense of urgency anyways, might as well, you know, have a throw for him, not just run around. I'm always, now, I'm a big time back, <laughs> back side of the route. Oh, I'm oh, just a little, it. little, uh, option on the backside there.
1: I love being backside by myself. I want everyone else to get out of the way. <laughs> I, I hate when guys are in the way and all. That. Just you guys go on that side. You run your three man concept, and I'll be back here by myself. Just don't send anybody over here. Man. Now, when when you bring that to him, is he pretty receptive? Like ha- you've probably earned his trust that now. I
3: don't, I don't think it's ever like really like. It's never like changed that week. Okay. Like they might, it might go down down the road. He might. Uh, let's give you. it a try right here. But own, he's like, I, he's like, I, <laughs> I
1: got this. I'll make the plays. You run the routes.
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, don't I think that's probably
1: too much. I think that's probably fair.
3: Yeah,
1: I think his track record is pretty good. So 2013, Not your mad. rookie year, I know you had a knee injury. Kind of were slow out of the gates, and then 2014 and beyond, you pro- you arguably had the greatest stretch of tight end production in NFL history. I mean- I mean, I mean, starting at 14. And before we dive into that, because I have a trivia question for you, but before we get into that, Alex Smith. Smitty. So you, so you play four of your, you know, four all pro level years with Alex Smith. And for it's sure. set, you know, 17, they draft Mahomes, but Smith still Alex still plays. Has um, his best year. Has his best year. So here you are, probably saying, All right, you know, the young kid who obviously we'll touch on here in a second, but you know, the young kid's going to have to wait his turn, maybe an Aaron Rodgers-type feel, maybe wait a couple years for, for Alex to, to, to roll out the rest of his career. But sure enough, after year one, 2017, mm-hmm. they trade him to Washington. What was the reaction, yourself, the guys who had really had tremendous success with Alex, like what was that reaction? Did, did you have trust that Andy knew what he was doing? Did you have trust that you saw Patrick as a rookie and said this kid is special? Or was there still... Some level of disappointment that your main, your dude just got sent, you know, got yeah sent shopping.
3: And it was, it was, and I, I think, um, I don't know. I think a little bit has to do with it being, you know, you have so much appreciation for a guy that does it right every single, every single day, every single time. He's never, you know, he's always in it for the team. Um, and that's what Alex was. He was ultimate leader, ultimate competitor. And you just appreciated that so much. You wanted to win one for him. You know what I mean? There was a little yep. bit of doubter saying that he could he didn't have it to win it. I'm like, man, that's bull crap. I've seen way worse QBs win it. And I know Alex Smith can lead this team to a championship. And um man, there was there was some plays here and there in the playoffs where I was like, man, we were a couple plays away from really giving ourselves a chance. But yep. um, I mean, I I where it really ripped me was that I, I just never, you know, got there with him. You know, so that that story is is closed, yeah. and, and and that that one sucks. But I mean, you had full trust in Coach Reed and the and, and the young gun man. I mean, Pat, Pat showed so much in practice. During the season, you name it, man. He was he was in there throwing stuff around and everybody was in awe throughout the entire entire practice squad and everything during that throughout the season. So
1: so as a rookie, so I want to dive into that because I think that's interesting. So mm-hmm. as a rookie, Alex is obviously the the starter, and it was clear from day one that Alex was gonna be the guy. So Patrick's running the scout team each week. He's he's simulating the other team's offense, their quarterback. So did you guys find yourself after a couple weeks? Like you know, usually when the defense is on, the offense, at least on the teams I've been, is kind of off on the side, not over, not really paying attention. Like, did you find yourself being like, "This guy is different. Like, there's something special about this kid," and find yourself now you're watching the scout
3: team every offense. single time? Yeah, I, I bet every single time. Well, I'm, I I'm bet. Like, and it was it was fun because what what pat would do is pat would literally have fun and see what he could get away with back there. It was like it was just like he was just back there non I mean don't get me wrong, he's still professional. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like he was out there pissing the coaches off or anything. Right. He was just making so many incredible throws that it was, it just turned into prime time scout team. Yeah. And uh, I mean guys guys say it all the time. I I saw him literally roll out and huck one on the on the run at least 75 80 yards. And when he did that, I mean, it's like the first or second play of a two-minute drill. You know what I mean? We start back at the twenty, and it's he's just rolling out and just hucks it touchdown. Two minutes over, yeah. to, uh, drives over, and you know, I was just like, "This yeah. dude can wing it anywhere at any time."
1: And, and I think it's important for people listening the context of that. So when you're running scout team quarterback, you're they're literally the coach is just holding up a card with yeah. like <laughs> diagrams. So if you're the quarterback running the other team. There's not a ton of detail. The routes are drawn. They kind of give our right, here's the protection. They kind of use your own verbiage. Here's the protection for the O-line. Yeah. We're going to try to throw this to the X. That's Julio Jones or whoever that is. We're going. But after once the huddle breaks, those guys can really do whatever they want. I mean, you could run around. It's not like a set play because you're just running a simulated play on a piece of notebook paper. Yeah. So to and then to see him the last two years. Almost play like that in real life. I can only imagine how must what it must have been like when he was running yeah. fake plays in practice.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, he's been doing the whole, I mean, left-handed throw behind the back, like little stuff like that, just messing around, being a being a football guy and having fun on the football field. Um, but he takes the game so serious. Uh, before we even install a single play by Wednesday, like I'm talking, notebooks filled filled chicken scratch but filled just absolutely filled of just i don't even know i don't i call it the special book that's amazing so so you're having this
1: incredible success i told you i had a trivia question for you
3: okay okay
1: so you are the first guy first tight end in nfl history four consecutive seasons over a thousand yards okay who were you tied with and then eventually broke who was the record holder? Just, just in case anybody wants to
3: know. I feel like he's a New York kid. Uh, who is he, man? Um,
1: I, I don't know. I mean, it's not important. It was,
3: no, in college, I remember he transferred from Notre Dame to Miami. You're on. close. Dude, you're close. Are you kidding me? As soon no. as you hit that mark, I was like, oh, I got a chance to break that one. I yeah. got a chance.
1: I thought I was going to get 4-2, and then my, the, my, my season – Ah. Broke along with my foot But I remember texting with you that night And, and I mean this genuinely Like I, I'm, I'm, I was joking around about that But I remember genuinely Like that was something That when I, when I got my third year in 2016 2015 we went to the Super Bowl Then obviously there was that letdown from losing it And then that was like a big motivation for me To like hold that level And there was talk that no one had done three oh, yeah. getting, that, getting that third one Like it represented everything that I had tried To have my career emulate right consistency Mm -hmm. be productive be reliable I was never the flashiest but like just try to be the guy that was there every day and then I remember when you got your third in 2018 I was like you know what like I had watched you so much you were one of the handful of guys that every Thursday I would put on all their targets and just see like what he was doing and you were I mean the reality is you were doing stuff in the passing game that no one else was really doing other guys were productive mm -hmm. there was production But they weren't running the routes you were and the shakes, you know, in the red zone, really sitting on that foot and crossing face on those. Most tight ends weren't running routes like you. And I remember I was like, you know what? Barring something crazy happen, Kelsey's going to get four in a row. And I remember texting you Mm -hmm. the night. I knew you were close and I checked after the game and I knew you broke it. And I remember texting you and I was just like, if any guy is going to set that bar, like, I'm just glad it was you because I just feel like you... Production wise, there's other guys, Kittle, we can talk about all that, but for your sure. style of play at tight end, in my eyes, is very unique. And I think it's awesome. I think it fits your team. I think it fits mm-hmm. your quarterback. And you've had arguably the greatest six or seven year run that anyone at the position's had. So a little pat Man. to myself, but mostly I was thrilled that you were
3: the guy that yeah, got no, that fort. for sure. I was, I mean, I, I, I jokingly say I had to have my eyes on that thing, but you got to be so fortunate, uh, especially in this game and at this position—a position where you're demanded to be everywhere on the field and do everything. A lot of wear and tear, a lot of mileage uh, at the tight end position. It's it, you got to be fortunate to, to to stay on the field to get that opportunity, and um, and on top of that, to have these plays ran for you or you know what I mean called for you. Yep. And that's where it, 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 there's so much that goes into it, and um, I mean I we just mentioned Kittle Ertz another there's, guy There's so many um, guys. And then there's guys that you just wish that you know what I mean, oh, why don't they just give him another few targets here and I there, know. man. The guys got sauce like a, I know. Like a Darren Waller, a guy, you know, yeah. out in Oakland right now. Yep. Um the another Golden Domer. Yep. Uh up in Minnesota. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle Rudolph. Rudolph. Yep. He uh, I, mean, you I, could, I I wish well, he would get more targets, man.
1: I do too. That offense over the years has been kind of a run offense, under center, nakeds play action, but he's a really good player. I, I think, and again, I'm probably biased because this is the era that we're all playing in, but you know, in talking with, I mean, even a lot of the old Hall of Fame legendary guys that I've had a chance to talk to over the last couple of weeks, they were kind of isolated, unique animals in their day, right? There was mm-hmm. they had one or two competitors that they would kind of jockey with for all pro or for yardage leaders. In the last five to eight years, it's been – there's been a lot of guys. I mean, you just named them. Yourself, Kittle, Gronk now being back. Waller Mm -hmm. jumped on the scene this year. Jimmy Graham. Jimmy, yeah. uh, Zach Ertz. And the one thing all these teams have in common is those are all some of the best teams in the league.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you 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 can argue it, man. I mean, the heck, the I think it's – you might have jumped it off, but they started naming uh, past Super Bowls. And it's like, man, every single one of them had a – at least there was there was at least one yep. team In a lot of instances there were two teams out there yeah. that had great tight ends or tight yeah. ends that that had a lot of production. Yep. And um controlling the middle of the field, man, messing and it, being able to tie that in with passing passing game, run game, uh just the middle of the field has to be dominated and I mean the tight end position is it's undefeated, man. It's a mismatch anywhere on the field yep. in my mind.
1: Yeah, I mean so I mean you you just touched on it. You're a natural segue. Your segue ability is off the charts. You must have my notes. <laughs> Obviously, this last this last Super Bowl, of course, you you guys were Super Bowl champs. You 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 know, you culminated an unbelievable season with the Super Bowl. The arguably the two, probably not even arguably, unanimously the best two tight ends in the NFL today match up in that game. It was a huge story, you know, huge storyline all throughout the week. Um I I was part of the pregame coverage and me and Tony Mm. Gonzalez spent four days just breaking down you and Kittle and why you guys were so important. We all know that part. The part everybody is dying to know because I didn't get to experience it. My one Super Bowl appearance was miserable and we lost and Mm. it was not fun. But you, on the other hand, you got the enjoyment of the after party and the parade (sighs) and the fun. like The game we all watched. What was it like to win that Super Bowl and everything that came from that point?
3: Man, it's like walking up the the tallest water, water slide and just jumping and just riding that wave, dude, just hands up and all just, you know what I mean? It, it was an absolute blast to the moment we got down there, Miami, how everyone treated us, the the hospitality to... To when when the anthem goes off, the Chiefs say Chiefs at the end of the national anthem, and you just you could feel how many people, how many Kansas City fans were in the stadium, and it mi- it meant so much. It like it, it it built up the 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 tension, and and you wanted to win it that much more, you know. And not that you didn't want to win it like the most already, you know. I mean, it just it just keeps adding to it, and um and the built up emotion of of coming back in the fourth quarter, uh, the perseverance. I mean, it's been a ride that I It's it's hard for me to explain, but it has been, it's been so much fun enjoying this with the guys on the team. Uh, though the locker room after that Super Bowl is something that I'll always remember, man. I saw a couple of the guys dancing with the little, with their kids in the locker room. Like, man, those, these are moments these kids will, you know what I mean? Cherish forever, man. I'm not
1: gonna lie. I was, I was jealous. I'll be honest. I'm, I'm a man. I'm a, I'm a man of my word and I'm honest. I was, uh, i was a little bit of hating i i got my one crack at it up till this point there's always this year but i got my one crack at it and uh we had a legend we had an all-time season back in 15 I and mean, we we were 17 and we were 17 and one
3: Man.
1: uh 15 and one in the regular season we had beaten the seahawks then we had beaten the cardinals two of the top teams and we felt like that was our year and we had our shot and we just completely laid an egg and my uh my sitting in my room that night in my lonely hotel room in Santa Clara I'm sure does not come near what you experienced oh, man. but uh, Golly. it was tough yeah it was um but well, listen that's why we play right i mean that's the the thrills are amazing and the and the the highs are amazing but oh yeah the lows are tough and whether it's a personal low or a team low you play this game long enough you uh you experience, you experience
3: it. it all man you experience it all i remember i remember the the year before uh, Pat came in. So Alex's last year, and this one really grinds me talking about Alex Smith, is that uh, we're playing Tennessee, and Tennessee comes into the house, and we we go up 21-0. I have a touchdown like 100 yards in the first quarter or like first half, and we're rolling these dudes. A two-minute drill at the end of the first half, I get smoked, like knocked out. I felt like Mike Tyson came out of left field and just hammered me. Like I'm, I I wake up, I'm getting out of a, a – what do you call it – I was getting looked at by a machine, an x-ray or something, MRI. I don't know why I missed the MRI. But either way, so I was getting out of the MRI and I was like, "Oh shit. Oh shit, what's the score of the game?" Because it's the second half and everything. We were, we were up 21 and now that now we're down 3. It's 20 24 21. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh. Like, it's- how did how did he how did he even get here?" I know. I, I uncontrolled, just couldn't control it of sitting there, antsy in my my seat, just trying to, you know, hope that Alex has this last drive for a touchdown in him. There's and man, those it was are the helpless
1: worst. feelings, man. Those are helpless feelings.
3: Good old so football.
1: I, so we're so I'm doing some of the stuff for Fox. You're getting ready to play in the game. I was doing some TV stuff, and and me and Tony Gonzalez, um, obviously, and Gronk. They had us talk about you and Kittle a lot, mm-hmm. and you know, comparing and contrasting. And I know, you know, everyone knows back in '18, you guys kind of jockeyed back and forth. For the you know all time receptions oh, yeah. title. But the thing I'm more curious about like hearing Tony Gonzalez, a Chiefs legend, someone that I'm sure right when you got drafted there, you knew you were kind of falling and every record you were going for, every I mean, there was no more gold standard at the position <sighs> across the league. But this is a guy that shared your your uniform and, mm-hmm. and is in your franchise record books. Oh, yeah. Like how aware of that were you? Because I know when I got drafted oh, to Chicago. So when I got drafted to Chicago, Mike Dicka was like a legend. He oh, he hung over everything with the franchise, but mm-hmm. he played in 1961, <laughs> right? So like it was a long time ago, but his he still casted a really large shadow. But Tony was still playing. I mean, he was oh, yeah. still playing at a high level just in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Like how aware were you when you got drafted? Like I got some re- – the last time they saw a big-time guy at this position – they arguably saw the greatest player who's ever played.
3: Ever put it on. Dude, I'm uh I when I tell you, I had never even thought I would I, like from the from the get-go. From the get-go, I I get drafted, I'm 23, I missed my first year, I'm 24 before I played my first game. So I'm in my mind. I'm already. Tony got in the league when he was like 20 or something. It was something crazy, like young. It's probably you. You were probably 19 when you got in the league.
1: 19.
3: Yeah, you guys one and done in college. You know how it goes. Right. Um, (laughs) The uh, so I'm I'm like I'm five years back. I'm like I'm I I, at least I'm three to four years behind schedule already. Um, So I'm like, there's no chance for me to even catch this guy. Let me just be the greatest I could be now. You know what I mean? But if I'm gonna wear the same uniform, I gotta learn from this dude. I gotta figure out why is he this great? What makes him this great? So I went out and I went straight to the film room my first or second weekend. And I and I got uh, from 2002 to, or two, from 2003 to 2008 or nine, um, all Tony Gonzalez film, all tape. And I'll tell you what, it was a pleasure watching Priest Holmes and Larry Johnson yeah, as a dual threat. Those, that were, was, yeah. those were some dudes right there. Those are good names, yep. Those were, those were fun, shout out to those guys. Um, shout out. So we're setting um, an all
1: time podcast record for shout outs. I
3: got, I got so many left. I I love it.
1: We're not done yet. Keep
3: going. (laughs) But, um, so I'm, I'm watching all this film and I'm like, man, this guy's like a machine. Like he has to be doing this all the time. So when I, when I went to go talk to him and, and pick his brain about it, he, um, everything he was talking about wasn't even what was really on the field. It was all, all the work that he did in practice, all this. And it was like in my, as a professional, I had to change How I even looked at being an NFL player. Cause I'm thinking NFL player, oh, and I'm just playing football and now I, you know, I got the bucks to do it, to have some fun. And I didn't, I didn't realize what it meant to have a routine, have, have a consistent way to see yourself progress and, and to, to make sure that your fundamentals are correct. Um, that and taking care of the body, like he was saying, I mean, there's, there's, there's legends that he, he only, ate fish and didn't do red meat and was this like yeah. chiseled gonzalez just a, a beast of a beast man but he that like just that in the hundred catches before practice so what i got from T T G was that there was so much that he did on the field that he had already been practicing and, and he had been through so much of it uh through practice through through um you know, just visualizing stuff coming together that you know you have to be this this type of professional uh, to have success in this league
1: yeah and and obviously you have you have one of the best, if not the best guy to not only learn from across the league but to share the same franchise history with is is pretty unique. So you know the guy that you just talked about has held he holds every single tight end record. his production is is insane. Yeah. And I'm a big believer that in all as selfless and as team oriented as guys are and, and and all that being said, I do believe that there is a sense of pride and ego in all great players. Mm-hmm. I don't, I put myself in that category and not all the time I'm proud of it. So I'm going to put you on the spot right now. When you take a look and I'm sure we've all done it. I know I've looked. When you look at where you are and what you've been able to accomplish in seven years, and you see guys like Tony and Gates and Witten and Shannon, and you start seeing that list in the back of your mind, are you saying, if I can, if I can do this for a few more years, like I can see myself on that list with the all-time greats? Like, does that motivate you? Like, I know when I got later in my career, I'll be honest, it motivated me. It still does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you have you taken a second to realize in seven years how much ground you've made up?
3: Yeah, no, I I feel like, without a doubt. I mean, I've I've always, I mean, heck, I I've grown up and told you know, don't don't play the game unless you want to be the greatest. You know, that that's yep. just the mentality that my father and the 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 culture that I grew up playing sports around. Um, so that mentality of mentality of being the greatest and wanting to be the, you know, at least in mentions with the greats, um, being on that Mount Rushmore, uh, per se. But it's it's just. I didn't get here trying to chase it. No, you know what I mean. It just you know kind of I mean? happens. You don't. You don't. You don't get there with the mentality of, oh man, I, I got a, I got a hundred yards this game and a hundred yards this game that I can, you know, I can get closer to, you know, getting over a thousand this year. It, it, during the year, it's just so much. You're, you're in the routine of getting excited about the plays, getting excited about, you know, situational football. That it all just comes together for you. And it took, it took probably my third year to really like hone in on that. Like, all right, it's not just every first down, get up and, you know, throw the first down signal. You have to focus and and channel your mind in the right direction.
1: And there, yeah, and to that point, there's so much that goes into it, right? And some of it's in your control, some of it's in our control, but there's also a lot of parts about our, about our position that are in other people's control and being mm-hmm. in the right place, being healthy, having the right, I just, that was my way of just making sure, because I went back and looked where you stand Mm-hmm. But the guys that you're up with production wise played as long as I have. You are only going into your eighth season.
3: Yeah. Is that right? Going into eight. Going into I eight. I mean,
1: you have a long way to go here. And I, obviously, no, everyone wishes you nothing but health and success, but there's no reason that as long as things continue to go well and knock on wood, I want to see you chase those records because I think if anyone has that ability, you might be the, I don't know if anyone ever thought Gonzalez would be within reach and you have a long way to go. Don't get me wrong, but if anyone can do it, you've gotten off to, I think as great a start as anyone could imagine.
3: Kittles is right now, yeah, is, true. He's, he's, got, he's just yeah. murking those numbers, which I'm so happy for that dude, man. He's such a good dude.
1: And he's way younger than us. I mean, way younger. I, I finally, finally
3: started clicking by my third year in the yeah. league, and it, it, it's been clicking he's for him for about three years now.
1: Hopefully he resets the tight end market for all of you guys. Man, he is the, about well, to break it. I hope he makes a billion dollars. <laughs> Let me tell you, man, this, this was awesome. Well, man, I'll tell you what. Every time we've been together, whether it's been at Pro Bowls or doing – one chip challenges this conversation always whether man. it's been a text, I got a ton of respect for you, man. you're fun to watch. you're a great dude. Uh, I've always enjoyed being around you watching you, texting with you, chatting with you, and uh, for you to come on and and be a part of this story. the story of the evolution of the tight end who you've now you know brought it to to a level that I don't know anyone really ever could have imagined has been has been really cool for me. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And I, I think everyone's going to really enjoy having having your perspective as we kind of lay out this this history of the position.
3: Definitely, man. I appreciate you doing this, man. Getting everybody a little educated on the tight end world, man. It's, it, a, it's a tight knit family, baby. You're, you're always one of the greatest in my mind, man. Thanks, man. Always, forever. All
1: right, I appreciate it, buddy. It's good talking to you. Stay safe. And uh, I'm sure we'll cross paths this season. All right, G Rick. See you, buddy. So as we've entered this modern NFL landscape, the personalities of these tight ends have really come out. And Travis Kelsey's gotta be at the top of that list. He's a fun guy, he loves life, he loves to live it to its fullest. And as good of a player he is, he's as fun and as energetic and as good of a guy. He's somebody I've enjoyed getting to know over the years as our careers have overlapped. I've loved watching him from afar. And that was as fun a conversation as as we've had during this entire series. Enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and tell your friends. Next episode, I'll be talking to George Kittle, so be sure to listen in. TE1 is a Blue Wire podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.